Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends pretend to be bartenders and talk about gruesome murders. Each week, we feature a new cocktail, which has to tie into our stories. Although we are a casual comedy podcast, some of our subject material can be explicit. Listeners, be advised. (laughs) Hey guys, welcome back to another week of the Bay Breeze. Oh my god. I can't keep drinking these. They're too sweet. Remember the first episode where you're like, ah, you'd order them and order them and order them. They're great. The first one. It's like the first cheeseburger. Oh, what's up? Second, all right, like sure. Third, what? Why are you eating so many cheeseburgers? I'm just it's a <laughs> it's an it's a metaphor. It's an uh, analogy. I don't know. One I of mean, those if sliders. I'll eat three sliders. I mean, those little baby cheats. They're like four of them make one. So good. So good. You get more bread that. I feel way. like a giant. Yeah, sliders yeah. are fun. I like a slider, a wagyu slider with some like caramelized onions. You talking <laughs> the Sun River Brewing line? Bacon butter. But seriously, I can't have another babies. So this will be the end of the Scott Peterson case. Yeah. Supposedly. No. Allegedly. <laughs> Let's see what we get through. Perfect. Have you written him a letter? No. Okay. An email, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Who writes like? Do you know how much stamps cost? Do you know what kind of scrutiny the prisoners are in? I don't think they all get internet access. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure you oh, can write emails okay. to prisoners. They don't get internet just like they don't get drugs and cell phones and all sorts of other paraphernalia that they're not supposed to have. I think the prisoners, when courting new prison wives, I think they like the physical letter that smells of their perfume and they put like, I think there's a whole gross aspect to it. That's fantastic for them. Yeah. They don't have a lot going on. Okay. I don't like it. <laughs> hey, Scotty, if you're listening. <laughs> Did you get my email? <laughs> Turn it off, Scott. <laughs> Go do some push-ups. All this will Scotty okay. too hotty. Scotty. Okay. So if you haven't listened to uh, part one of this or part two, definitely listen to part one and part two. Who jumps in at part three? Crazy people. You saw that with the Tupac episode. They just jumped in part two. It doesn't make any sense. I was about to rail on people that like skip in books, but I do that sometimes. What? No, no, no. Wait. Pause. I will get to. We've talked about this. I'll get too. I'll get too ramped up and excited about what's going on in that book. And I'm too nervous about the character that I'll be like, did they die? Like, I'll, I'll, I'll jump for no How reason. How do you even find that? If you know you're towards the end of a chapter, like I will go to the like the last page of that chapter. You're such a spoiler. I love spoilers. What is wrong now, here's with the deal. you? I don't like when someone else, like I don't want people to walk by me and tell me things about shows I'm watching. Like I don't Dumbledore want- dies. I don't want other people to spoil things for me. I hit a certain threshold of feelings uh-huh. and then I have to spoil something for myself. All right. That's my feeling on spoilers. Okay. But anyway, go back and listen to one and two. But one and you, two. If, if you feel like being crazy and joining us, welcome. Welcome. We're just going to jump right in. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> um, okay. We're in the middle of the case. 
but we're going to kind of jump around. Let's talk about the media influence on this case for a second. Oh, it was uh, a nightmare. It was mayhem. One uh, reporter said that she, like, was at the scene for Elvis's funeral, right? Okay. White limousines everywhere. She goes to the Scott Peterson case. There's more media coverage. There's more white limousines outside of this court hearing. Why are there white limousines outside of Who a knows? court case? Who knows? But there's people with signs that say murderer, like fry. There, There's women with t-shirts with his face and a noose around his neck. People are up in Imagine arms. making that like that, that's getting together insane. with your friends and making those signs. Yes. The there, amp up. There's a lottery for the seats for the public every day during the court. Because during the uh, uh, during the plea and the sentencing, the media was allowed into the court. But Hold during on. the trial, Hold they on. were not. If there was such a case going on here in Deschutes County. I would not. You wouldn't try to. No. I think you would. I feel like I know you, and I feel like you would ask me, and we would debate whether or not we should go sit in, because it's just watching it. It's watching a trial. Mm. It's, a, it's an experience we've never had. We want to be on juries really badly. Yeah. I feel like you would. Possibly. Okay, I'll I give you that, that one. I don't know that you'd, like, from a reporter standpoint, write about, like, yeah. I don't think, like, those other parts of it. Yeah. But I do think on a personal experience level, you mm -hmm. would do that. Okay. Yeah, you might have committed. I think, yeah, maybe if we talked about it, yeah. Like, I know how badly I want to be on Judge Judy. Oh, my God. Okay. We're not going to get into that right now. Um, but yes. And so they had, like, a lottery system every morning where you could go, you could get there early, you could put your name in the hat, yeah. and blah, and blah, blah. it's probably a majority yeah. uh, reporters putting their names in. And then you see, so everything happened in Modesto. So they didn't go outside. Modesto? Modesto. I don't know why I said it. Modesto. Um, and you, you just see his face plastered on the tabloids at the grocery store billboard billboards you see it on the news the iraqi war is going on when the bush administration yeah. is going on and that the, this well, it's trial like, it's like 2002 so yeah this yeah. trial is trumping the iraq war that's wild it's insane you also like you also hit a certain threshold people don't want to hear about the iraq war anymore yeah and this is a distraction yeah for that. and like the like the reporters are just clamoring over each other, yeah. like trying to get the next. So we didn't talk yeah. about how they moved venues. Yeah. So the argument was made that in Modesto, it was way too close to home, mm -hmm. that everybody and their mother knew about the case. You were not going to get a jury that hadn't been swayed by the media influence. Mm -hmm. So they moved the case up to Redwood City. Mm-hmm. Which is closer to San Francisco. Redwood City is like South San Francisco. It's which like, is the hub for media, which is insane. Like you're getting them you're, closer. You're painting Redwood City in a light that is not Redwood City. Okay. The argument made in the silly Hulu documentary that I watched mm -hmm. was like, it was only 90 minutes away. The people like the people that live in Redwood, like that is a totally different place. Mm -hmm. And the argument that it should have gone to Southern California Whoever in Redwood City knows about the case, that same percentage know about it. Like, it was national news. Yeah. You're not, you can argue NorCal, SoCal, you're not going to find anywhere in California yeah. that's going to be less inundated than anywhere else. Yeah. So, yes, I get getting it out of the hometown, having people who are like, I went to high school with Lacey. Yeah. Like, I get it. Yeah. But the argument that Redwood City wasn't far enough away and wasn't, like, Redwood City is full of affluent white people. Mm -hmm. It's still, you know what I mean? Like, it's still... Yeah. So let's talk about the jury for a little bit. Okay. So 
the jury, they, they realize that... This and I don't case, know much about the jury, so this is kind of interesting. So the case is going to be... They see it's going to be big, obviously. You have hordes of people outside constantly. Were they sequestered? Do we know... They were not sequestered. Oh, they should have been. 100%. But they saw that the cost would be too much. They're like, oh, this is going to be like eight months, however long. It's How much be- are the appeals going to cost? Mm-hmm. How much are the appeals yep. for... Ugh, yeah. Rah. So they were not sequestered. That means every night they got to go home and... Google and watch... Exactly. You can't trust a juror now. No. There's no, no. no way. One juror even said that when he walked into the courtroom and saw it was Scott Peterson, that night he went home and Googled the case. 100%. Um, And then... So... And then... Oh, that's so bad. Yes. Yes. Oh, and then like uh so, so every night put yourself in their shoes you would yeah. want to do that so bad i'm such a rule follower yes. that i wouldn't yes but i would want to so badly yeah so and then so they go home every night they're tempted by family members yep. or media going You're to the grocery huge case going to the grocery store and you just look over at a magazine you can see something Oh, it's all over the tabloids. And so they would, uh, so when they come into the courthouse, they're all witnesses, jury members, uh, like the prosecution, the family members all come through this one little door to go through security. And so at one point, uh, Lacey Peterson's, uh, uh, Lacey, yeah, uh, brother is like picking up his stuff from going through the security, like little doodad. And one of the jury members is there and he's also picking up his stuff and you see them talking. And he was like, I leaned over to Lacey's brother and he's like, man, I should probably get out of your shot. Otherwise, the media is not going to be able to use this photo because I'm next to you. And then uh, like they made a joke about it. Just like, oh, ha ha. There's so much media around. And so because he talked to him, he was dismissed from the case. The juror? The juror. And so um, he and then, you know, everybody wanted to talk to him. They're like, okay, tell us about the case. We can't get in there. Like, what's going on? Do you think he's guilty? And he's like, so far what the prosecution has brought hasn't convinced me that he's guilty. They haven't, they literally, because this is when they're floundering. Um, And then they're like, well, you you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you weren't really paying attention. He started getting death threats because oh people God. were like, "He, Scott did it. He's guilty. Can we, you imagine writing a juror? A, like, that's insane. That's writing crazy. Anyone a death threat. Oh, well, obviously. <laughs> oh but God. I mean, even not even a death threat, but like aggressively, uh, like, yeah, confronting someone. Yeah. You like you don't know what you're talking about. No. You don't. You had a different experience from them. Exactly. Um, and there was also the jury selection. So the judge dismissed any juror who said that they were against the death penalty. Um, but you have to ask them a follow up cu- question. Even if you don't agree with the law that there's a death penalty, could you apply the law to the facts of this case? Uh, if that juror says yes, then you don't get to excuse them because they have a personal opinion. But in this case, that didn't mm. happen. The bad thing about doing this uh, is that you are essentially creating a tribunal to return a verdict to death, which has been unconstitutional for 60 you're, years. You're creating a group mm-hmm. of people who you know yeah. do want the death. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple other people who were dismissed um, throughout the process. So you then you get your uh, rotation jurors in. And then you get this woman. So everybody has a nickname. They they give every juror a nickname because they don't want you. like. And the interesting thing is, interesting thing is I thought jurors were able to talk about the, uh, talk about the case amongst themselves whenever. No, they, no. They no, are no. not at nope. all. Only okay. when you go into deliberation. Yeah, yeah, which I, I thought was interesting. Um, and they're, you know, on well, months and months and months. that's what's so crazy is like, so you take take the example of when they get sequestered together. Mm-hmm. So let's say like, okay, it's pool time. Like 
they clear everyone out of the pool. You're all in the hotel. Now everyone gets to go swim. There's literally sheriffs watching, and you do not get to talk about the case. Mm-hmm. All I would want to do is talk to these people that have yes. been listening to all the same stuff as me yeah. and spitball it. Yeah. Change my opinion. Let me change someone else's opinion. Like, let me look at it from a different way. Like, that's how I process stuff mm-hmm. is to talk to people. Like, I process out loud having conversations with other people. I would be dying. Yeah. Yeah, same. Um, so there was this one juror who uh, got rotated in because somebody had to leave. Um, and they nicknamed her Strawberry Shortcake because she had, like, really bright red hair. And she was one of the mo- – uh, in the documentary – uh, from what I saw, she was very biased against okay. Scott Peterson. Um, and like when she was filling out the paperwork to see if she was qualified to be a juror, one of the questions said, like, have you ever been like in a lawsuit before? And she said no. Mm. And actually, when she was four and a half months pregnant, her baby's father's ex-girlfriend threatened her and her baby's life. And so they went to court over it. And Is that a lawsuit? Yeah, they were having this whole, like, back and forth about it. Uh, but the uh, the case was ultimately dropped. Um, but she, like, neglected to tell them that she was within, like, a court hearing about it. Okay. Um, and they're like, well, if you had checked yes, we wouldn't have allowed you onto the court trial. And so she's kind of, like, emotionally charged because through the whole thing, she's like, you know, um, I ultimately found Scott Peterson guilty because of the dog scent thing and because of little man. And she's like, I call baby Connor little man. And she's like, I had a baby and like, I've been there. And she had like this emotional charge part. And then when you see, I'm going to spoiler alert. um, Scott Peterson gets the death penalty. Mm -hmm. Um, You see an interview with her and another juror. And that juror is like, yeah, you don't come to California and kill someone because otherwise you get the death penalty. And she's in the back going like, yeah, he's an asshole. When you like talk to us, you talk to our faces because he like in the courtroom, they're saying he would never like look at them. But when you look at the jury box, they're off to the right hand side. Mm -hmm. And then he um, there's the prosecution table. And then he's on the other side on the defense table. So he's the farthest he could be from the jurors so a lot of them again were looking at his demeanor during well, the you case. might have been you might have been coached by your lawyer not yeah. to look at the jurors uh-huh yeah and so a lot of them saw his demeanor like during the trial being like he was unemotional but then you see reporters being like oh he was extremely emotional when baby connor's photo was put up there when like his body was put up there when Lacey's was you oh, here's here's my here's my spin on that yeah he could be guilty and he could have killed Lacey mm-hmm. and killed his son and still be emotional looking at those photos. But they're saying he wasn't. They like weren't, they were so, because they couldn't even see him from the box that they were sitting in. Got it. Yeah. And yeah. so they were just like, we were watching his demeanor and he's like cool, calm, and collected through the whole thing. But you see him and he's just kind of blank faced being like, yeah. I can't. I mean, there's people who are very stoic through things like but that. But again, you can't look at demeanor through, no. you have no idea what's going on. Um, so there, there were just biases in the jury that like, yeah. in, in my head, I don't think he got a fair case. I feel like many of the, like, there's, uh, OJ jurors that talk after the fact where mm-hmm. you just, it makes you cringe. There's like, yeah. oftentimes I feel like if you, when you hear from jurors, I mean, there's normal people. Yeah. It's just a smattering of normal people and... I don't agree with all of them. Even if, you know, you agree with what the end result is, I don't yeah. necessarily agree with how you got there. And and kind of back to the media really fi- uh, fast. Um, do you remember Kristen Smart? Mm. 
So one of the Kristen's part. One of the media stories that they kind of went on a frenzy with. Um, so Scott and Lacey went to Cal Poly, mm-hmm. and Kristen Smart was also there at the same time. Okay. And she went missing oh. back when they were in college. Oh. So they're like, Scott did it. Scott oh, is connected to this, and they did this whole world I don't think he's a thing. serial killer. No, 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 no. Um, no evidence was ultimately found. Yeah. Um, and then another thing that they kind of ran with was um, the defense attorney started going through all the police reports. And some of the uh, interviews that the police were going over, um, people had mentioned satanic panic kind of things people with like 666 tattoos so the defense attorney was like okay let's kind of follow this these these police officers you know interviewed these specific people let's look into this and the media were like okay so now lisey peterson was kidnapped by satanic panic and so uh you know nancy grace is like you have these crazy stories over here about satanic panic or scott peterson who do you think it is so there you're seeing these like two sides of the story and and the defense side kind of got blown out of proportion. Yeah. And they said that they made up the satanic panic portion. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, obviously it's Scott. Like this other one is so yeah. unbelievable. I mean, I'm guilty of this. You often have people who go, well, if it's not them, who was it? Mm-hmm. If it's not this person that's on trial, then tell me who. And it's not. That's not how the justice system works. Yeah. And you are innocent until proven guilty. You have to like, I don't have to find the killer. Mm-hmm. I I. You have to explain Unreasonable how doubt. I'm yeah. the killer. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've beaten around the bush. We've lightly mentioned it. We need to talk about the burglary across the street. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe we talk about the boat theory really fast. Oh, there's more to this boat to you? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so defense attorney Mark Gregos? Garagos. Garagos. Um, so they buy the same exact boat, model, everything. They get a hundred and fifty pound. What are you doing? Are you talking to me about a recreation? No, 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 no. Okay, no. This wasn't even used in the trial. Okay, okay. I'm really upset about this. Okay, okay. So because they, they did do a recreation and it was silly. Oh, I don't know about that. About taking a boat that size, mm-hmm. and if you tried to push a body off the boat, that it would capsize the boat. Oh, then we are talking about the same thing. Yeah, that's such bullshit. Tell me your story. Tell me about okay. this capsizing bullshit. So they get a 150-pound ta- dummy, and then they get four eight-pound weights, and they put it on this dummy, um, and they go out into the bay, and they try to push it off. They have, like, a guy on the boat, and they try to push it off four times, and it, each time it capsizes. Um, they weren't allowed to use the video in the trial, so it's not like it was used at all. No one saw it. Um, but what was allowed was to bring all the jurors down to the bay and the prosecution got to get the uh, got to get a very similar boat to what Scott had, and they docked it on land, and they let each jury get in the boat and rock it on land. And the jury was like, "Oh yeah, this is super stable. There's no way this could capsize at all. This both, is both of those things are stupid. Yeah, both of them are very very stupid. I, I I've never heard of a juror field trip that I didn't think was stupid. Why do you think the Pushing a dummy out of the the boat is stupid. Um, they're in the exact same boat. Mm-hmm. That's the exact same weight and distribution of like all, all everything matches. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Uh, for lack of a better terminology, this- dead weight. Yep. No, but there's a different distribution of weight. Okay. I mean, yeah. throwing me out of a boat is going to be different than throwing my brother out of a boat. Yeah. Like, or, and like, and even if you have the same weight, like, mm-hmm. let's take this and like, 
distributing it differently in different body shapes is going to be different. She's pregnant. So yeah. she's short and she's pregnant. Did they yeah. take a five one that like, that's my argument. Okay. To a degree. Okay. Is did we throw like a male unisexy dummy off the side? Mm-hmm. Um, and how, and like, let's say he had like, maybe he's using his anchors mm-hmm. and I, I just, I don't, I never, I'm never going to agree with a recreation. Yeah. 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 So I don't, fair. I don't agree with it either direction. Yeah. I don't agree with it as a way to prove someone guilty. And mm-hmm. I don't agree with it as a way to yeah. prove them innocent. And I will say aside for Nina's students uh, in their presentation yeah. for their class. Which uh, is so rad. Which is so rad. So their boat theory was that um, the boat itself couldn't hold both of their weights, which I think with the recreation, you could see that it, it did. I, but but for them to not have even looked at this uh, documentary that I watched, for them to get to that conclusion that the boat was unstable yeah, yeah, yeah. enough to not even hold both of their bodies, I thought was really cool. It's not a one-person boat. No, no. It's like a little dinghy. Like, if no, you it's could, not a dinghy. Not, not a dinghy. Go, go Google it. How are you going to describe it to the people at home? I, I just I need to look at it because in my mind that's a boat that two people would fish off of and when you're fishing you're not sitting with your boat like think about any time you're in a boat with another person mm-hmm. it's gonna like they boats move around and the bay like that's the other thing it's a freshwater boat mm-hmm. and freshwater is gonna for the most part you're in more flat water than like the bay is also gonna be rocking the boat like I, I just I. It, it's hard to record. So I guess like when in your mind would he have done it? When he went, when he went out. During the day? In the middle of the day, he yeah. put Lacey's body in his truck. He went down to the marina where all these people are. And he put a, a body in his open covered boat. He dragged a body out of his truck into no, his no, boat. No, 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 no. Okay. You have a warehouse. You are you have complete secrecy in a warehouse. Okay. So, so you're saying that he killed Lacey at the warehouse. No, he could have killed her at the house. Okay, so then he's putting so where's the physical evidence of he a back- struggle at the house? There's no There's, physical There are theories that he smothered her with a pillow. Okay. There are theories that he killed her in the bath. Okay. So let's pretend that it's a it's a smothering or a suffocation of some sort. We mm-hmm. don't have we don't have her neck and head. Yeah. So Let's say he killed her at the house, backs his truck into the garage, loads her in the secrecy of his garage into the back of his truck, Mm -hmm. drives a very scary and anxious drive between his house and his warehouse because he has a covered body in the back of his truck. He gets to the warehouse. Now he's in the secrecy of his warehouse. He takes this covered body. Maybe he readjusts. Maybe he cut, like, we don't know if he cut her arms. Like, we don't know. I Mm -hmm. don't think he did. But let's say he then puts the body covered in the boat. Or it's in the back. I would would put it, I'm thinking, it's in the boat. So the boat is on a trailer behind his truck. And no physical evidence at the warehouse except for that one hair on the pliers. At no point in time. If there's no blood. Yeah. So, so let's say there's no blood. Let's okay. say that he killed her in the bath or that he smothered her. Mm-hmm. So now there's there's no open wounds. There's, mm-hmm. You're not going to leave any evidence other than hairs or, or minute, minute stuff. So the theory is with those pliers, how did the hair get in them? So the way that if they're saying if you are using the rope that is missing from the anchor, because that's the other thing. He had one anchor and no rope. Mm-hmm. Can't use an anchor with no rope. So where are the rope? Where, where are the different sections of rope? So if you're tying the rope and using pliers to gain leverage. They said they were rusted shut. They're rusty. Okay. 
And the other thing is, like, when did you go? Like, if they got all wet then and then mm-hmm. they sat, like, things rust pretty quickly, depending on – it's also winter time. So if you're using these pliers to gain leverage and tie around her neck, you would have hair. He would have caught her hair while attaching the mm-hmm. the weight to her neck. So let's say that you aren't leaving a bunch of evidence because she's wrapped from the house. She's not like there. You're not going to have blood everywhere. There's no secretions. There's no like. You're, Are you saying the tarp is from the boat? Is that why that's covered in gasoline? Is that the same tarp? The, no, there's a oh. a canvas boat cover. Okay. So, and I, and I don't really, so let's say, okay, so now we've gone from the house, she's in a tarp, she gets to the warehouse, mm-hmm. she's in the boat, the boat has a canvas cover covering everything inside the boat. So when you transport a boat, you don't have things flying in or things flying out, you mm-hmm. have a cover over the boat. So now you get to the marina, you have this canvas cover. So you take that cover off and you put it in the back of your pickup and you put your boat into the water. So in the boat, again, if these guys saw him or didn't see him, so maybe the tarp is the same color as the inside of the boat. Maybe they have the angle where here's the wall of the boat and they're looking in and all they see, like there's a million reasons to explain the the witnesses and what they saw. And he takes her out, dumps her body. He's not out very long. He weighs it down, tips her over, um, and heads back. Mm-hmm. And Maybe the fear of, oh, the canvas cover. Like, I don't know why he would freak out about this canvas cover over it mm-hmm. and why it would need to be covered in, like, the gasoline part on that. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me in terms of even if you think he's guilty. Yeah. It's just a weird thing. Um, but I, I see an avenue for him to move her body in the in the daylight mm-hmm. in cover and get and get away with that yeah um so let's talk about the timeline a little bit okay okay so we agree scott gets up at eight they watch martha stewart together uh if you haven't uh, listened to the previous episodes go listen to that to get that timeline um then you have scott leaving about 9 40 ish and then at 9 50 a.m to 10 a.m you have a witness your first witness uh you have homer and sue uh Maldonado, who sees someone who matches Lacey's description, walking her dog, very pregnant, and they remember it because they remember this woman struggling with her dog, and she's so pregnant that the wife is like, oh my god, I hope she doesn't, like, fall out yeah. here. Like, what is she doing walking this yeah, dog right yeah, now? Yeah. She's too pregnant. So, like, that's kind of, you know, those little it, things. It stuck out. Um, and then you have 10.08 a.m. Scott makes a telephone call to his voicemail. So he's checking his voicemail. And that's triangulated by the police to verify he was on his way to the warehouse. And then at 10.18 a.m., you have their neighbor, Karen Servais. Uh, and she sees Mackenzie, who's their dog. Um, and uh, What kind of dog is Mackenzie? Um, uh, a, uh, a golden, golden retriever? Yeah, golden retriever. Okay. And it has like a distinctive white mark right here. Um, and so in, in it's... It's not unusual to see Mackenzie out in the front lawn because they, they'll leave their gate open sometimes and he'll just kind of wander. And so, It's also not abnormal to see a golden retriever in the suburbs. With a little white patch? Okay. Um, and so Mackenzie's outside with a leash. What's the most popular dog breed? Is it, is it probably a golden retriever? Dog. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, and so uh, Mackenzie's out front. It has a, a, a collar and a leash. Mm-hmm. And uh, Karen's like, oh, this is weird. So she grabs Mackenzie, uh, puts him in the backyard and closes the gate. Just kind of pushes him in and closes it. Um, and then she walks away. And so she kind of whittles down the 1018 because she has receipts and cell phone triangulation throughout the day. So she 
whittles it back to 1018. Um, and then from 1030 to 1056, um, you have a computer record at the warehouse that shows Scott looking up information about some tools he just got in the mail. And you see the package at the warehouse later. Um, at 10.33 a.m., you have the Medina's house. The, the, their neighbors, Medina, live across the street, right across the street from yeah. the Peterson's house. So they're going on vacation. They're leaving. Pew, they're gone. Um, why on the 24th? On the 24th. They leave the 24th. They're leaving on the 24th. Okay. Why are we talking about them? Hold on to your butts. We'll come back to it. Um, and then at 10.35 a.m., between 10.35 and 10.50 a.m., you have uh, Russell Graybill, who delivers mail to the Peterson's house, kind of like all over. Um, he scans and, uh, and timestamps his route. Um, and he he's like, I'm a mailman. I know which houses have the dogs. Like, I have to know this uh, for my safety or, you know, whatnot. And he's like, every single time, no matter where Mackenzie was in the house, he didn't know the dog's name, but wherever yeah. the dog was in the house, he always barked. And I knew if he didn't bark, they weren't home or he wasn't home at least. And so he drops out the mail. There's no dog barking, but he does see the gate open. Um, and so, which was interesting because this wasn't included in the trial because whoever was scanning all the documents didn't realize that 10 pages got stuck together and missed the scan. Wow. So when the defense attorney and the prosecution was going through it, they missed that. Wow. So now that he's going through the appeal process, there's these 10 pages that got stuck together and yeah. they're like, oh my God, we have a clear time scan. Okay. So, uh, in Karen's mind at 10, 18... She sees Mackenzie outside the house. That's weird. She puts Mackenzie back. And then when the mailman comes, he's like, the gate's open again. When does the mailman come? Uh, 1035 to 1050. Okay. Um, and then after that, you you start to see, like, you said 70 earlier. I heard 11. 11 witnesses saying that they see someone who matches Lacey's description walking around with Mackenzie or a dog that matches Mackenzie's description. Um, and then at 11.40 a.m., Diane Jackson sees, um, uh, like, a, uh, a burglary happening. She, like, looks across the street, which she doesn't know it, but it's the Medina's house. Mm -hmm. And she sees uh, a van outside, and she sees these men, and they have this big thing. It's a safe that she doesn't know it yet, but they're stealing it from their house. And she looks at them, and they look at her, and she's like, oh, that was weird. Like, what are they doing? And she dries off and doesn't think anything of it until she sees that Lacey Peterson's missing. So she tells police on the 27th what she saw. The jury never heard this. So I guess we could jump into the whole burglary thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you know about it? So I know that... The house across the street was robbed. Mm -hmm. They were gone from the, I thought it was the 23rd through the 26th. Mm -hmm. The police, within a week of the robbery being reported, had discovered that it was two men that, uh, and they arrested those men, that they had determined through their alibis and interviewing their circle of no good nicks 
that the robbery had taken place on the 26th and not the 24th, mm-hmm. and that they didn't have a white van, that there was a, it was a different car that was involved, and that a neighbor had a white van that was doing something else. So that the white van got confused with the robbery, that the days were wrong, that it was these two men. Mm-hmm. The smoking gun with these two guys is that one of them, so this is much later, one of them has a brother, and the and correct, I'm going to get this a little bit funky. Mm-hmm. The brother is in jail or the brother is out of Someone is in jail and someone is out of jail. Mm-hmm. And there's a phone call made. Mm-hmm. And all phone calls at all jails and all prisons are monitored with the exception of when you're talking to your lawyer. Mm-hmm. So there is a prison guard or whatever level of police officer he is but there's a i'll I'll call him a prison guard who's monitoring the phone call Mm -hmm. and there's a conversation between two brothers taking place and they're talking about uh, one of them brings up lacey peterson uh in the robbery like brings Mm -hmm. all of this information up in in a casual ish way yeah and one of them cuts them off and goes hey these phone calls are recorded Mm mm-hmm and they go, oh. Yeah. So that uh, prison guard, sheriff, whatever he is, he contacts the police. He contacts somebody and he's like, hey, I heard this phone call. These two guys were talking about this thing. Uh, and then it's not it's not followed up in a correct way. Mm-hmm. Basically, it kind of like sits for a long time. Then finally they go back and they're like, hey, uh, this didn't really get followed up. Um, can you speak to this? And the guy who works at the prison is like, I'm not talking about that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but you, no, but you did. Like you told everybody that this was weird. And he's like, mm, I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah. So now he's clammed up and he's like, I reported it. I did all the, like, yes, I said all those things, but I'm not talking about it anymore. Yeah. So all of that looks strange and weird. And uh, like these two guys, like where it's like, oh, they started to bring these like, hey, don't talk about when we. Yeah. So if you're thinking that that Lacey's out walking the dog. She stumbles across this robbery and they're like, oh, we got to shut this gal up. Like, if you think that that's how all of it goes down and that she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and that these guys killed her mm-hmm. and it comes up and they're like, hey, shh, 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 let's not talk about that. I easily discount it by saying, you have to know that if you robbed a place across the street from where a very famous murder took place Mm -hmm. and someone calls you and like brings it up you could easily just be like hey who these phone calls are record like yeah i don't want to talk about yeah i don't want to get looped into that yeah i i I just to me that's not a smoking gun in the way that it was presented yeah in whatever i was watching it is not the smoking gun to me yeah now what's the research you've done on all (laughs) okay so essentially it's kind of very similar so you have Stephen todd and glenn pierce um, who are arrested for the break-in. Um, when they're interviewed, um, like you see, you you can hear the interview. Mm-hmm. So Stephen Todd, his first words are, I had nothing to do with the pregnant girl. And the detective said, I'm not here to talk to you about the pregnant girl. I want to talk to you about the bur- burglary. But and- if it's all over the news mm-hmm. and you like, yeah, look at it from a normal person's yeah, perspective. Yeah. If I robbed that house yeah. and now I'm like, I had nothing to do with that girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but... If that comes up in questioning, wouldn't you kind of pursue that line of questioning? As a police officer? Yeah. Be like, oh, well, why are you 
Well, I wasn't going to ask you about that, but since you brought it up. Uh, it depends how you read it. But yes, yes, I agree with yeah. you. And so Scott's jury never knew about this or the taped conversation. Um, the They confessed but claimed that they broke into the house on December 26th but before the homeowners returned on the 26th. Uh-huh. Um, and when police were asked if the burglary was uh, could be involved in Lacey's disappearance, they uh, told the press that it had happened on the 26th. So the timeline was completely off. But this doesn't make any sense. Because the media frenzy after her going missing? Yes, because the, the reporters were like, there's this one reporter in the a documentary. He's like, I was there at 5 a.m. on the 26th all the way through the whole day. And anybody who was coming down that street, I was interviewing. He's like, there was nobody there until about 10 a.m. He's like, there, there's no way in God's green earth that someone could have pulled up and they stole an entire safe from this house that they took a safe from the house and put it in the van without any of us seeing like we were there was new we were all there we were crawling we were waiting for something to happen and so like the timeline for and then the family came home before noon on that day so like their time frame to come on the 26th to rob the house doesn't make sense to me i would have to know what time they say on the 26th that it took place like what time the robbers what, yeah what time like are they saying they came by obviously before noon would have like you'd you'd have to have be that robber and know that it had to have happened before noon. like if they said we did it at three yeah well obviously you're lying because you know that the family came home so if they said that they did it at three in the morning mm-hmm. by like i kind of want to know what time on the 26th that they say it took place yeah and the other thing is like i just there's a part of me that goes if everyone is here yeah and I'm obsessed with this house. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily aware of what's going on behind me. Yeah, but they just the like the the um, media was cracking. Like that's when it was cracking because she went missing on the twenty third or yep. the twenty fourth, the twenty fifth, and then that's when everybody was like, "Oh, we heard somebody's missing." So it's not like the media had even broke the story yet. They they were just getting there on the scene. On, I know. On the I just I, I feel like if you're focused looking north, yeah, and everything is looking north at this house, and you're looking west and east, and you're trying, you're not as aware of what's happening south. So you're thinking that they cased the house before they saw the media frenzy, and they're like, oh, perfect time. Or do you think they they drove down the street and they're like, oh, what's going on? Oh, it's all this crazy. I'm a little. Stuff. Co- I I, I kind of need to know more about this burglary in terms of like, how did they know about the state? Like. Were they after that family specifically? Were they after something in yeah, that? Yeah, I don't like, know. I, that, that's a little bit of a... A conundrum, cause, yeah. Because those guys, my understanding is they had a long rap sheet. They were burglar, like mm-hmm. long burglary rap sheets. Like yeah. they were breaking into houses that there aren't any violent crimes attributed to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it the story jibes of someone interrupting your crime. Yeah. Um, and then it, it holds it holds water, but it doesn't. Okay, I need to know more. Give me more about this. I mean, I don't have much more to say than uh, when Scott's defense team went to go interview them. Uh, they uh, one of them became like unglued, and he started yelling, "You have no evidence! You have no evidence!" And he's like, "I plead the fifth. I don't want to talk to you anymore." Which can, can again, you imagine someone just getting freaked out about yeah, something getting def- pinned on them? Definitely, definitely. But then you go back to that phone conversation you were talking about, which yeah. did occur. It did. And he was like, no, no, hey, 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 hey. Because you recorded. Shush, shush, shush. Shush, 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 shush. Um, so, you know, you can see both sides of it for sure. Um, oh, uh, oh, and a quick aside. 
Nina's students again. Yeah. Uh, touched on um, the burglary, uh, burglary, uh, burglary um, uh, side of the argument. And also, because, um, like, you see, like, her side of the family being like, hey, like, that was Lacey's, Lacey's personality. She came home from a walk. She could have easily, like, put the dog there and, like, saw something that was going awry and go and confront them. Like, she wasn't the person that For sure. would just go back into her house and not uh-huh. say anything. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. How do you know the... What is her name? Uh, Medina, Medina's. Okay. So here's another. Okay. So now mm. explain this one. Let's say you've got the two guys who are robbing the house. Lacey comes over. She mm. confronts them. So now they're oh, the ones. By the way, during the call, Adam said uh, said to his friend, Stephen Todd, uh, admitted Lacey confronted him while they were breaking into the house on December 24th, Lacey 2002. did or someone did? Lacey. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. On December 24th. I like that tidbit. Mm-hmm. That's the first nugget you've given me that oh, I don't have. and any- it was Lieutenant uh, Aponte, and he was a guard at the California Rehabilitation yeah. Center in Norco, California, and reported a call he had monitored between um, Sean and Adam. Um, and then uh, Lieutenant Aponte said he gave Modesto police a copy of his tape conversation, mm-hmm. but they denied receiving it, and no copies have been found. That's right. They're having issues with finding it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That, does, that all looks bad. Yeah. Okay, so let's okay, so now let's theory holds water. Now they've so let's take it on let's take it on face value. You've got these guys, Lacey comes over and she's like, Hey, what are you doing? And they're like, Oh, boogity bash, knock her on the head, let this dog run free. Now we gotta deal with this pregnant lady. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, I have a I have a I have a witness to this. Okay. Okay. So another tip from a man named Thomas uh, Harshman. He saw a woman with Lacey's description uh, pregnant being held outside a van by two men and said that it appeared that she may have been peeing and then they put her back in the van. Explain to me how this guy doesn't do anything with that information at that time. I mean, look about all those other cases where those people found bodies in the forest and didn't report anything. This man saw a pregnant woman being taken into a van? So he said, so as he's driving, it to him, it looked like she had just been peeing or something, like, and two men were by her, and they, they like, were helping her up, and they, they put her back into a van. I don't like it. Okay. Okay, so if they are the ones that killed her, so now we're still on the 24th timeline. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are holes in... She has to get to the bay. Mm-hmm. And that they don't have... They, oh. It's not necessarily... Well, and then you look back at, like, um, it depends on when you think she actually died. Did she die that day? Did they wait? If someone was a witness to your burglary, mm-hmm. I really don't think you're holding them hostage mm-hmm. for more than a day. Okay. Maybe you are, as you gain the courage to kill them. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that's how, statistically, I don't think that's how that works. Yeah. It's either killed in the moment and then you're like, oh no, I I did something rash Mm -hmm. and now I got to deal with it. Yeah. Or, yeah, I just, I don't. All right. And I I think timeline wise from, like you can't do much with the body with either body, like you, you don't have much of a timeline off of that. Like you, you kind of know from Connor's body, kind of. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but again, that's a little bit of a sliding scale. You can't narrow that down to a day and say the 24th yeah. versus the 26th. Or, the, or January 3rd. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can't, I don't have the evidence to, to throw at you, but I feel like there was an issue with how they would have gotten her to the San Francisco Bay. It, like from where they were and alibis that they had. Yeah. Like, when would they have had the time or the means to transport the body up there? Maybe they, but maybe they, they like throw in the, the van and they just take off and they take her to somewhere. Cause they're like, what do we do? Like yeah, she yeah, saw yeah. something, I don't know. And so maybe they While have other fighting with each other. They have other, do, yeah. they have other accomplices like helping them. And then in the meantime, they get arrested. Cause it's okay. not, it's not right after they it's get arrested. Week. It's yeah. a week later. Yeah. Um, and then quickly, let's touch about uh, back onto like all the witnesses that say they saw her. Um, and so, um, Detective uh, Craig uh, Craig Grogan said that Lacey sightings after Scott's departure were not priority because the police knew that Lacey was already dead by then. So they didn't follow up with any of the tips that came in that said that they they saw her. And I feel in like an, that's bad. In, work. in an A in the A&E documentary, doc, uh, detective John Bluer didn't even remember what any witnesses seeing someone fitting Lacey's description, walking the dog. He said that he doesn't think it occurred because it didn't happen. She was dead by then. And so they, and like you, you see some of these witnesses, they're like, nobody ever followed up with me. Like I saw her, like why yeah. didn't even, there was somebody who was on, on break so, no, sorry. She was waiting to start her shift at the hospital. She was, So she was in the back of the hospital and she was smoking a cigarette. And she looks down. She sees someone who matches Lacey's description and she sees two men following her. And um, her dog is barking at this point. And one of the men says, like, shut your dog up. And she's just kind of, like, watching this weird, like, interaction. And, like, at this point, there's, like, a dry creek bed. And she's, like, walking mm-hmm. through this park. And then they go off. Um, so in my, like, head, she, like... Because the timeline to me is kind of weird with the the mailman and Karen, the neighbor, like mm-hmm. putting. So like in my head, she she started to take Mackenzie out, and then maybe she had to pee or she forgot something or whatever. She came back, she went in the house. The gate wasn't open. Karen came over, put Mackenzie in the back of the. But why is Lacey not with the dog? Went inside. She has to pee. She has to like she accidentally left the gate open, and Mackenzie wandered out. Got it. And then she's doing whatever she's doing, and she's like, "Okay, cool. Here's Mackenzie because I left him in the backyard, so obviously he's still back here." So then they officially start their walk, hmm. and that's when Homer and his wife see her. That's when you start seeing all the witnesses seeing her walking around, and then she comes back. She she goes to maybe get the mail out of the the mailbox that she had just gotten. She puts Mackenzie in the back. Um, but also see something going on weird at her neighbor's house. She sees strange men moving stuff out of the house, but she knows that her, maybe she knows, maybe she doesn't know that her neighbor's just left on vacation. Um, she confronts the men, they have an altercation and what have you. It's so the nurse is a nurse. Uh, someone who works at the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody on a smoke break seeing starting, she's going to start her shift. Okay. Not on a smoke break? I made that up? She's smoking. Okay. <laughs> Her name is Diana, uh, Diana Campos. So Diana Campos sees a pregnant woman with a dog, matching Lacey's description, mm-hmm. with two dudes. I try to put myself, okay, so let's pretend that's real. That happened. Mm-hmm. You've got Lacey who now, across the street, confronts these two dudes. Mm-hmm. Across the street from her home. Mm-hmm. Confronts these guys, continues on her walk, doesn't go home, like confronts them and doesn't just go home to call anybody or, 
is just like, okay, I'm going to continue. Like I told them, quit robbing from them or what are you doing or whatever it is. Confronts them in some regard and then keeps going on a walk. No, no, no. That's that's outside her house. She gets home. So she... Where's the lady watching her? Like, do they live across the street from a hospital? No. So it's like a it's like a 45-minute circle, essentially. So she's like out on this walk. So she would have been coming... Here's my question. Yeah. If you're not... Those, those at, two men might not have anything to do with it, but she's like... I but saw, there's two men yeah. who are robbing the house. So yeah. in my mind... The two to three... Okay, so in my mind, uh, my in my mind, mm-hmm. a couple guys mm-hmm. following her on a walk, saying "shut your dog up," mm-hmm. isn't some other random two or three guys. That's mm-hmm. the guys she would have confronted because mm-hmm. they wouldn't been following her otherwise mm-hmm. and being like "shut your dog up." She would have had to have said something that to them mm-hmm. for them to follow her. Mm-hmm. So I just, I it, to me, it's str- I need something to make sense of. Why she's now still on this long walk and not if they've if if I've confronted some like maybe I'm in a in a mood and an attitude and I have yeah. the like it's within me to be like hey what the fuck are you doing yeah but if I'm now walking away from the situation and they're following me mm-hmm. and talking I'm not you have that reversed because that happened the hospital thing happened before she got home but why are the guys following her we don't know. We, that could be just a random two people that maybe she confronted them before she went on the long walk. That's and now, what I'm saying. Yeah. So if she confronted them, she's leaving, mm-hmm. confronts them, mm-hmm. and keeps going on her walk, yeah. and now two guys are confronting you. Mm-hmm. I'm now terrified mm-hmm. as a pregnant woman alone with a dog mm-hmm. that two guys who I knew were up to no good that I said stop doing something up to no good. Yeah. I'm I'm going to the hospital. I'm go like yeah. I just I, I'm trying to make sense of. Who knows? Uh, yeah, it does. I just I don't know. I have one last. I have one last bit of information. Okay. So, you have well two. Uh, you have Lourdes Avelia, who's eight months pregnant. It's Christmas Eve. It's eleven fifteen a.m. So kind of around the same time everything's going on. She um lives kind of near Lacey. So Lacey lives on a, like a quote unquote, a nicer area of Modesto. And then you have a couple streets over not so nice. Um, and then you have Lourdes Avelia who kind of lives n- near the area. And she, um, this owns- is same, same day, same year, same day, same year, okay. like around the same time. Um, she is working at a clothing store. Um, and she comes out and she's kind of doing some like mannequin work on that outside of the shop. And she sees this like older, like vehicle across the street and she sees men inside of it and they're like staring at her yeah and she's getting the heebie-jeebies so she's like okay i'm gonna go back in the store they didn't they didn't uh they they then start the car pull around to her side of the street one of the men gets out and starts to go into her store so she goes in the back and she locks the door she alone She's alone. Um, and she's she's eight months pregnant right now. Um, she calls the police and she's just like, I don't know what's going on, but the, someone is in um, in my store right now. Um, and so the police come out, like, and the men drive away and, like, nothing comes of it. But she's just like, I don't, like, she got this heebie-jeebie feeling. Um, and so um, as, um, so the... So that's an, a story. And then the defense start looking through police re- uh, reports and they start uh, seeing that people um, are again talking about those satanic rituals that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. And they discovered from 1999 to 2002, seven pregnant women disappeared from um, 
the surrounding areas of Modesto within an 80 mile radius. And Lacey and Evelyn Hernandez, who we mentioned earlier, she, uh, Evelyn Hernandez was also eight months pregnant and they disappeared six months apart. But no um, media coverage was really given to Evelyn Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the pregnant women kind of vary in uh, nationality. So mm-hmm. you have like Mexican, you have Asian, you have white, you have Hispanic. Um, and Evelyn was also found in the bay. Mm-hmm. She was missing her hands, her feet, and her head. Um, but her baby was never found. I really struggle to give credence to satanic stuff. I'm not. I'm not saying satanic. That, that was an aside, but you can't dispute that seven other pregnant women went missing from 1999 to 2002 and that Evelyn Hernandez was also found in the bay. I will give you that. It's a weird coinkydink. Mm-hmm. I would want a statistician to talk, because we're talking about an incredibly populated area. Mm-hmm. So... When you pull it aside and you say, hey, another eight-month pregnant, like, I also want to know how many women in their 30s, how many, like, mm-hmm. the pregnancy could have nothing to do with, like, that could be a coincidence. I would want to know how many people went missing mm-hmm. per capita, what's the, is it an anomaly, mm-hmm. or is it statistically normal? Yeah. Is there a coincidence that... Because it sounds, on its face, that sounds crazy. Yeah. It sounds like, oh, someone's into fucking murdering pregnant ladies. Well, like, what what are the odds that another pregnant woman in the same situation would be found in the bay? What are the odds that someone would be breaking into a house right across the street from where Lacey Peterson went missing? What are the, like, what are the odds? What are the odds? There's all these coincidences that, like, what are the odds that that many witnesses would come forward and be like, I saw the same description. And they, they, (laughs) there were some of the women that they actually pulled aside. They did, like, uh, kind of a blanket statement of the area. And they're like, if you match this height description, there's this one woman they interviewed. She's like, I'm just fat. And they brought me in and they were like, could I match the description? Did they see me walking my dog? And like, she was just like, it hurt, but like I got what they were doing, but it was just like, you know, and so. Well, like I told you, there was another woman that lived in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. who was five months pregnant with twins who matched her description, who had a dog. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Have we gotten through all of our evidence? Yes. Where do you land? I... He is on death row. He's on death row. Um, and he's going through appeals mm-hmm. right now. He's, yeah, he has not exhausted his appeals yes. yet. There's actually, so while the trial was going on, uh, there's a team of internet sleuths who were like on message boards. And they they realized that every time they got into a message board and tried to talk about the fact that he might be innocent, that people just ripped them new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they kind of started their own website and their own organization, and they're called SPA. So it's Scott Peterson Petition. Um, and they're, like, fighting with uh, us, or they're working with Scott Peterson's, like, sister-in-law to, like, do the appeal process. And I do not think he got a fair trial. I don't think the jury members, especially the ones that they interviewed for the mm-hmm. documentary, I don't think they were unbiased. I think the media attention just took it and f- flew with it. Yeah. Um, because it sold. It sold papers. It sold media coverage. Um, I There is no physical evidence of where the crime took place, that there is a struggle. 
Um, I, I, I don't have, I'm, I'm not completely swayed that he did it, but I'm also mm-hmm. not conswe- completely swayed that he didn't do it. So if you were on his jury, you have reasonable doubt. I have reasonable doubt. Based on the evidence presented of mm-hmm. his guilt. Yeah. I just think he did it. Why? I don't give credence to the, other, like, all the other things. Like, I feel like the 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 burglary, the all those other things are, that's due diligence of a defense to create reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the case against him doing, I just, you, you can't explain the, his trip to the bay on the day that she disappeared and that they're found in the bay and the missing anchors but like if and you, the destroyed evidence. If you had a body, like, wouldn't you just go dump it in the bay? It sounds like someone else was dumping bodies in the bay. A lot of bodies are in and the bay. And you don't need a boat to dump a body in the bay. You could just pull up and push it out. There's way, way more opportunity for witnesses to do it that way than to be out on the water. So you're going to go into a, a crowded boat, like, marina area? Have you been... You're at, You're acting like there's a thousand people. Have you been to the Berkeley Marina? Have you been, like... No, but, like, his boat is so open. Like, it's so open to, like... It's so... It's not... It's not a... It's not a really high up there boat. You're just sitting in the thing. You could clearly see into this boat. There's shit in people's boats. Like, I just... I You're, you're coming at it from from a non-experience of having done any of that mm-hmm. or like it's the for him to go to the bay with a body like it's just not it would not stick out yeah it wouldn't yeah it, you could easily get away with that mm-hmm. people wouldn't know like they wouldn't there's oftentimes you have bags and covered tarps of that's just part of going out on a boat and yeah. being, and, and fishing like yeah. it's just to me, that's not abnormal. And and to know, like, it's busy, but it's not busy. And depending on the time of day and what's going on, like, you could easily be out there and there's no other people. You could be out there and there's a couple people. Like, I, I just, I don't, he, he could, I, I see a, a thread of how he could easily get her body from their house mm-hmm. out to the bay with limited people seeing it or yeah. thinking otherwise. I would just need more expert testimony that was credible. I just need more evidence to show me because we don't have a murder weapon. We don't have a crime scene. I, I just but, need more. But, so let's take it like, where am I? Where where would you create the evidence? Let's say that because it was known that she loved taking warm baths because she would like it made her feel because she was pregnant. You can't take hot, but like you can't like cook the baby and like be in a hot tub. Mm-hmm. But she liked warm baths. So let's say that he drowned her in the bath mm-hmm. and then got her body out of the bath, mm-hmm. out to the garage, mm-hmm. wrapped her up in a tarp, mm-hmm. put her in his truck. What evidence is he leaving doing all of those things? I don't know, hair. Like, like I feel like, but she lives there. If yeah, her hair is in the, found in the back of the truck, you how much hair do you think you shed? My so hair much hair is everywhere. <laughs> so much hair. My hair is everywhere. So uh, like, the, uh, no crime. Yeah, you're not going to find any evidence of a crime of him submerging her in the bath and putting her in his truck. So what? What time are you saying that he? So he obviously okay. So he obviously watched the Martha Stewart thing. Did or he watch? Did he watch it with her? 
Yeah, or did he did watch she, it? Did, was it on? Uh-huh. And he killed her, and it's just on, and he's catching it, and he's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it on yeah. in the background? Yeah. So you can't use that as a timeline of her being alive, because yeah. she didn't say, I watched Martha Stewart, and they did Meringue. That's yeah. his story. Yeah. So I think you can use the timestamp of her Googling an umbrella yeah. as the last time we know she's alive. Well, that could have been him. Why can't that have been him? Because you're saying it's a weird, like, would he know to Google that? That seems like her Google. But he knows to, like, get rid of a tarp with gasoline. So he could have killed her the day before. He could have killed her the day before. He could have killed her that morning. Mm -hmm. That timeline's a little fuzzy. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, you're not going to get, if you want physical evidence, Mm -hmm. and I'm saying here's how the crime's committed, you're not going to get any. Mm -hmm. There's no physical evidence if he committed it that way. Yeah. He gets her in his truck. He goes to the warehouse. Now he's at his warehouse. There's no physical evidence that you're going to get from him being at his warehouse mm-hmm. and moving her in a concealed, contained tarp from the back of his truck onto this boat. Mm-hmm. The only evidence that was left is a hair and a rusty pair of pliers that they explain saying when he was tying this anchor to her because he wanted all of that pre-done. Mm-hmm. Now he leaves. So the only physical evidence now that we have is potentially this hair and this pair of rusty pliers but in no other scenario if he's if this is how he's doing it would he have left any sort of physical evidence so now he gets to the marina so now all we have is the witness testimony which it could have been of him Mm -hmm. or could have been of someone else it's a very generic metal boat and Mm -hmm. he's a very generic looking dude Mm -hmm. so you could see anybody and we'll pull up the boat i'll show you what i mean by a generic boat i've seen the boat okay i watched the documentary i know what boat i'm talking about it's very generic yeah so if they're looking in, like, again, you don't really pay attention to what other people are doing when they're doing something normal. Yeah. He's a dude putting a boat in the water. Yeah. And they're like, are they fishing? Are they hanging out? Are they drunk dudes hanging out at a marina? Because let me tell you, drunk dudes hang out at a marina. I don't yeah. mean to disparage these guys. I have no idea who they are. Yeah. But it's very possible there's just dudes drinking Budweiser's hanging out. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw a guy put a – he was wearing camo. And yeah. he, like, I just – I don't think much of witness testimony. I don't yeah. care who you are. I just don't think much of it. So did they see a body? Did they not see a body? I'm not going to put a lot of credence on it. Gets the boat in the water, goes out. He's not out very long because all he has to do is kick her body out. Mm-hmm. Then he comes back and he goes home and suddenly his wife's not there. Yeah. I just – there's not a lot of room for him to have left physical evidence. Yeah. And there's not a lot of room for people to see him. So without a doubt, you know he's guilty. No, I don't know that. Okay. But she died. Mm -hmm. And I feel confident that it was him. Yeah. I'm not in a trial. It's a different scenario if I'm sitting through a trial and this is what's presented. I'm arguing with everyone I mean, there's no way we don't have all the evidence. We don't. Yeah. And like, I'm I'm just saying... I just feel like enough reasonable doubt isn't really sewed either. Yeah. And I, I do take I do take into account like his weird being in San Diego, like there's certain things about his behavior that are Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Will you watch the documentary? Which one? The yeah, I obviously love this story. I'll, I I paid ten dollars, so please watch it. <laughs> oh, I'll watch it. Watch the dumb Hulu one. All right. It's like an hour of your time. It's very biased. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> they they put all sorts of he didn't do it in there. Yeah, I I don't know. I when I I, fr- I strongly feel Amanda Knox didn't do it, mm-hmm. and I don't. 
And I feel like that's rooted in a lot of evidence. Mm-hmm. The Scott Peterson is way more gut related. Mm-hmm. And I will recognize the fact that there's less evidence that pushes me towards that feeling. Um, yeah. Yeah. If I have to wave a wand, if I am omnipotent and I have to say, yes, he did it. I, he did it. Yeah. But going through our systems, you know, I, I don't know where I would have landed having gone through that trial. Yeah. All right. But he did it. <laughs> okay. And now he is in prison uh-huh. in San Quentin mm-hmm. with a view of the bay that he put his dead wife in. Oh, my God. We're going to have to cut that. <laughs> no, people bring it up all the time. It's oh. poetic justice. Oh, my God. Um, do you know the governor um, uh, signed documents so everyone who's on death row isn't... Um... Gavin Newsom did that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's cheaper. Mm-hmm. It is so expensive. Death row, you're not getting justice mm-hmm. because you're going to be on death row for 50 years. Yeah. It's so expensive. The system's broken. And it's not... It's not uh, applied evenly, mm-hmm. like who's going to go to death is so unfair. Yeah, you could look well, whether you think it's right or wrong, and like you can get all messed up in the the mire of the death penalty. But in its current form, I don't know that it should exist just because they can't it they can't apply it fairly. Yeah. All right. So Scott Peterson guilty for you? Undecided for me. Undecided. You don't get to say undecided. Yeah, I do. Why? Because I have. If you, you have not proven, if to you me without go, to, an if you go to trial, doubt, you uh, have to tell me guilty or not guilty. You don't get to say undecided, guilty or not guilty. You don't have to tell, call him innocent, but you have to say guilty or not guilty. Not guilty, because I don't have enough. I don't have enough evidence to prove that he did it. So going through all of that, you really don't think you have enough evidence? Mm-mm. There's too. There's too much doubt. There's too many. There's too many coincidences going on. I don't. There's. I think you're. Li- I think you're listening to too many whispers. Okay. Ooh, this, this is- the same could be said to this you. This will come up all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you think? Uh, I don't know because, like, you you remember this case. You have that media bias. Oh, definitely in your head. Oh yeah. That's I, I will. I will definitely give that to you. Yeah. I was seventeen. And it was, for, yeah, I, I definitely, like, you have no discerning factors as a 17-year-old. Yeah. You're just watching the news. Because, like, I can, I can see it both sides. Part of me is... I, I, I'm the reason why you can't bring people into a jury when they're aware of the case. <laughs> yeah. I can't get over it. Uh-huh. I can't hear the evidence yeah. without attributing how I feel about what I already know. Yeah. I will, I, I get it. <laughs> and, like... I shouldn't be on his jury. <laughs> And, like, I, I can see both sides of it. I can see a man who fell out of love with his wife and didn't want to oh, have yeah. a child, and he started this affair, and then this horrible thing happened, and, and like, he, oh, was, shoot. he was so disconnected, and he's like, oh, shit. This sh- is unfortunate. Oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I am in. This is not good for me. I need to make sure nobody knows about this affair I was having because mm-hmm. they're going to put motive on me. It's going to look and, bad. And he, you know, he was still, like, and then you have phone conversations with him and Amber, and he's like, He's like, I can't, because then they start talking, and he's like, okay, you know, he's just like, so she's like, what are you going to do now, like, if I go to the press? He's like, well, I'm going to keep looking for Lacey. He's like, if the media knows about you, it's all going to go to you, and they're not going to, like, pay attention. They're not going to, like, try to find Lacey. 
And so you 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 have these like you know, but again, that could be he was yeah, yeah, yeah. he he was just talking, um, and maybe at that point he might have thought they were tapping him or something. Um, but then I see the other side of it where you know he wasn't happy in his marriage and he wanted to be with his girlfriend, so he saw Lacey and Baby Connor as an obstacle, and mm-hmm. so an argument came up or what have you, and a heat of the moment just so or much whatnot. more common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, that's just so much more statistically likely. Yeah. But how likely is it to have this whole burglary situation know, going on and then them talking about it like on several occasions and them even yeah. admitting that Lacey came up and confronted them on that's- the 24th? When they were doing it, because I have to look into that. And that is what are the odds that they're doing the crime on the 26th when all these media vans are all over the place? And and then the family comes home like that day, like at around noon, like what, like, yeah, the timeline yeah, yeah. just like there's there's so much going on that I just I, I want I want the case files. I want to look through it. OK, so this this is a common question to true crime people. You get to know for sure oh. the facts of a case. You oh. get to know. Like I get to know now? You get to know the truth oh. to one case. No. What is the case you have to know the truth? Ah. I would I would say OJ, but I. that's a waste of that because I know it was him. We'll do an episode. We have to. I think I have to do the counter because you definitely want to take the the guilty. Well, I mean, he did. He, he did it. He did it. <laughs> he, did it. <laughs> he wrote a book. He did it. <laughs> if I did do it. If I did it. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you know? I don't like. If you have to know the truth. Right now, it's driving me crazy, and I really want to know this case. But like, I'm, the top I'm of the in head. it right now. I'm in so it. it yeah. makes me. It makes me. I want you to be wrong so badly. I would I w- love to know the answer to be like, I, Drea. I know. I know. But or like, be so surprised by the fact that I'm wrong. Yeah. I would love to be so surprised. How crazy. I would just. I just. There's just not yeah, enough. Dominic is a big one. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Poly class. You know what happened? Like that's just a big case. But that was the one that kind of. That was the first case to really freak me out as a kid. What would yours be? I'm trying to think what oh. other like mystery cases there are. You're really into Black Dahlia. And I've oh, never I've yeah. never cared about that one. Oh, it's so good. Is it just because I don't know anything about it? Yeah. Because you won't listen to the um I tried Root of Evil podcast. I don't know why I couldn't do it, but I it's couldn't do it. That if you guys want it's heavy, but Root of Evil Is that why I couldn't? Like was it's it just- very it's cause it has it's just a it's a family that's rooted in evil. You have um so you have the head of the household, like the main doctor and the wife, and then they have kids and they abuse their kids and those kids have kids and they abuse their kids and I there's if this it whole was just too heavy and I gave up or if you, there was just a certain voice I didn't like. You or? you have a lot of family testimony about this these brutal things that were happening huh. to everybody. Oh, you hear this one audio clip though. So in so I don't remember his name, but he was a doctor. And so they're saying at the time when he went through med school, he would have learned that one procedure that oh, no one, okay. you know, to split someone in half without cutting all the vertebrae. And that's yeah. how the Black Dahlia was cut. Um, and he had audio equipment throughout his whole house. And he was into this whole satanic, like, torture stuff. And he did it to his daughter. Oh, the satanic stuff. And they were into... I know it's real. Yeah. But I literally, my brain shuts off the moment I hear that word. Yeah. And I just go, what a bunch of gobbledygook. Yeah. 
But I like, need to get over it. It's the, like as a true crime fan, <laughs> I need to get over it because it does. Yeah. It is real and comes up and stuff. Yeah. But I just. And so he was into that whole surrealism and all this stuff. So they were just very like it's. And the way that they described it was just, like, very sexual and also, like, a little satanic. Um, But then, so all this recording equipment is in his house. And at this point, the police are also bugging his house. And so they're listening. What year is this? Oh, couldn't tell. Forever ago, right? Not forever, forever ago. You think it's forever ago. It's Because the murder was forever ago. Eh. When was the murder? Eh. In my mind, it was like in the 30s. Oh, yeah. That's forever ago. That's almost 100 years ago. Are you pretending like the 30s was like two weeks ago? (laughs) Tell me that the 30s (laughs) was a long time ago. 1947. 1947. Still. Okay. So the black Dahlia died in 1947. And who was she? Oh, this is a whole other thing. Okay, we're not going to go into it. But anyways, the police are at this point tapping him. And you hear a woman scream and get muffled. And he had this like basement type S thing under his head. The whole thing so even is terrifying. If, even if he wasn't the one who killed Black Dahlia, which he probably was. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning towards that. Even if he didn't, maybe he was up to some other Oh, stuff. yeah, 100%. He was into some weird stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anywho, long tangent. Yeah. Who who do you want to know? I mean, I asked the question, but I don't know that I have the answer. I don't either. What are some big mystery ones that you're unsure of? I'd have to. My We've been talking for three hours. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. So, in summary. You make me feel like he did it less, but I still think he did it. And my point wasn't to... I wasn't trying to sway you either way. I just was coming. But you were. That's what a fight is. You want to win. <laughs> I was coming with you with more information. I I definitely learned things I didn't mm-hmm. know. I would highly recommend. I discount a lot of it, but there were de- there's a couple things mm-hmm. that stick in my craw. Yeah. Ugh. That's the saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have egg on your face. <laughs> this is in my craw. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a personal issue. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. But if you guys are listening and you guys are interested um, in seeing another perspective of the Scott Peterson case, I highly recommend the A&E um, docuseries called... I don't recommend the Hulu one. Ah, watch it. Well, uh, called The Murder of Lacey Peterson. Um, I found it on YouTube for the whole series. You could buy it for $10. Um is it? It's really, it's really informative, but also they are of the stance that Scott Peterson is innocent. So obviously, it's biased towards that side. I would highly recommend watching other documentaries that also take the other side of him being guilty. That way, you guys can form your own opinions. But I also wanted to give a big shout out again to Nina's class yeah. for doing so much research. You guys rocked it. Um, I really loved your presentation. You guys made some um, amazing points because they also so they came up with the their own boat theory. They also touched on uh, the eleven witnesses that never made it to the trial they also um touched on uh the the burglary essentially like that the men across the street mm-hmm. who were breaking into the house had um ultimately uh kidnapped and killed Lacey. yeah i watched it was uh scott peterson an american murder mystery on uh, i think it was originally id channel mm. then hulu is 
And it was, you know, it's an hour of your time. It touched on things about the case that I hadn't heard before. Um, there were some things that I was like, well, it's hogwash, but interesting interviews nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, we don't have all the evidence. And so, you you know, from an outsider's perspective, we can give our own, you know, judgment, like our internet sleuth judgment. Um, yeah, we don't know what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, we, you know, Lacey and baby Connor did die. Um, Scott Peterson did go to death row for their deaths. Um, and that's where everything stands at this point. Maybe something comes out in the appeal and we're like, oh, shoot, no one knew about that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. This one has been a three-week-long saga. My goodness. <laughs> you guys don't know this, but we have done this all in one sitting. I'm tired. I'm so tie tie. <laughs> Um, you guys, if you liked this format, let us know. If you didn't like this format, let us know. Yeah, bottle it up. One episode. <laughs> I can't listen to you for three weeks on one episode on one case. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. I had a fantastic time researching if there's, this. If one. there's a big controversial case that you want us to do in the yes. same vein, let us know because we can't think of one right now. Yeah, we're so tie tie. Um, but we will see you guys next week. We will be back to our regular format. And we love you guys. We miss you guys. And we'll see you next week. There you go. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent is Jackie Andrea. Be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast. You can also head over to our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, where you can find more information about each episode, cocktail recipes, podcast merch. There's even a nifty little donation station button if you're feeling generous. We're a self-funded podcast, and all your donations do really help. Our logo was created by Michelle Michael Art, whose amazing work can be found at michellemichaelart.com. That's Michelle with one L. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlust, and make sure you always tune in every Monday for hashtag Murder Monday. (laughs) 